My friend, I am such a big believer that your mindset is everything. It can really dictate if your life has meaning, has value, and you feel fulfilled, or if you feel exhausted, drained, and like you're never going to be enough. Our brand new book, The Greatness Mindset, just hit the New York Times bestseller back-to-back weeks. And I'm so excited to hear from so many of you who've bought the book, who've read it, and finished it already, and are getting incredible results from the lessons in the book. If you haven't got a copy yet, you'll learn how to build a plan for greatness through powerful exercises and toolkits designed to propel your life forward. This is the book I wish I had when I was 20, struggling, trying to figure out life. 10 years ago, at 30, trying to figure out transitions in my life, and the book I'm glad I have today for myself. Make sure to get a copy at lewishouse.com slash 2023mindset to get your copy today. Again, lewishouse.com slash 2023mindset to get a copy today. Also, the book is on Audible now, so you can get it on audiobook as well. And don't forget to follow the show so you never miss an episode. Really deeply falling in love is to see everything about that person. Not only the good parts, also the other parts. Mm. And saying to that person, I accept you. Right. You're not perfect and you don't have to be because no one is. Right. I accept you. Mm-hmm. And because I'm able to see all of the parts of you, then I love you deeply. Welcome to the School of Greatness. My name is Lewis Howes, a former pro athlete turned lifestyle entrepreneur. And each week we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you discover how to unlock your inner greatness. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Now let the class begin. Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA. Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval, terms apply. Welcome back, everyone, to the School of Greatness. I'm very excited about today's episode. This is a, a special episode, uh, a couple of things. Number one, I've never sat on this side of the table, so that's the first thing. I'm on a different side of the table if you're watching on YouTube. Number two, this is a first in the history of the School of Greatness. Of almost 10 years and almost 1,400 episodes, I've never had my intimate partner on this show, so this is a very big deal. <laughs> So we have the inspiring Martha Igareda in the house, very excited because this is a woman who has captured my heart, who has fully loved and accepted me for who I am as a human Mm -hmm. being. And it is an incredible journey to live life with you. So it's been a beautiful journey. If you don't know who she is, uh, she has done over 40 movies as an actor, many TV shows, as a producer, written many movies as well. And just is extremely creative and talented and wise in a lot of different ways in the world. She is someone who's tapped in spiritually into her heart and with the mystical parts of the universe. And she is someone who is a big giver to her friends, her family, and most importantly to herself, which I think is really powerful. 
and she's a big giver to me as well. So very excited. I love I you. Love Thank you, you for so being much. here. Thank you for saying what you said. Of course. Te amo. Te amo muchísimo. <laughs> Today is actually Valentine's Day that yeah. we're recording this, but this will come out later um, because Martha has an exciting movie coming out on Netflix mm -hmm. called Fuga de Arenas. Mm -hmm. Queens on the Run. Queens on the Run. It's coming out. Uh, so this will come out sometime before your movie. So I want you guys to watch the movie. It's an amazing experience. And there is a very special uh, guest appearance from some <laughs> from an American that you yes. will see as well. You are in the uh, movie. So when you see it, you know, be for sure to let me know. But this episode I want to talk about is relationships and love. And again, Martha has a lot of experience in learning about her heart in doing therapy over the years mm -hmm. and you know being in relationships that didn't work for her and now hopefully being in a relationship that does work for her yes so this is all about love and relationships and you know actually your movie has a lot of lessons mm -hmm. about love and relationships as well because yeah. there's four different women in the movie that all have like a struggle in their relationships mm -hmm. and uh, you've been the the queen of romantic comedies in Mexico and in Latin America and yes. exploding in the box office over the years of writing and being the lead of romantic comedies. Mm -hmm. But in romantic comedies, <laughs> there's typically an approach to love and relationships that looks good on TV and in the movies, but doesn't always necessarily translate to real life. Mm -hmm. So can you break down, first off, what the typical way of love looks like in the movies and in TV and how some of it actually works in real life but how some of it hurts women mm -hmm. and hurts individuals mm -hmm. from thinking it needs to be a certain way that actually has not worked. Uh, so let's start with that. Okay. So as you said, I've been doing a lot of romantic comedies in Latin America and that in Latin America and in general in the world we're usually always movies and TV shows usually show the part in which you get to know the other person and you say, oh, I like color blue, yeah, me too. You know, I like salsa, me too. Like all these different things. Likes and interests. Likes and interests. And then when the movie ends, usually, and I'm talking about all the different, you know, princesses movies and all the romantic comedies that I've done and that I've written, by the way, mm -hmm. and in which the concept of my other half the concept of you complete me, you know, we know this movie that Tom Cruise did saying like, you complete me. Mm -hmm. All of these things, what they do is that they make you feel you're incomplete and that then therefore someone else is going to complete you. And then on top of that, when these movies are released, they only show you all of that. And then the end is they kiss, they get married and then that's it. Mm -hmm. So they are, they're actually being faithful to the title, you know, the genre, romantic comedies, because they're so romantic. So they show you only the romance of it all, but they don't show you necessarily what happens after, mm. unless it's a drama, and then, then it probably right. happens, you know? But usually they don't. So then as women and as men, we grow up thinking, oh my God, I want that love story. Mm. You know, where's my guy? I need to find him. And, and then when you meet him, you do feel like, oh, my God, he completes me. Or you make the other person my whole world. You are my whole world. And then, therefore, when you break up, 
all of a sudden, you, your entire world collapses. You go into depression, you're crying, you feel empty, you don't know who you are. And I think this is the mistake of romantic mm. comedies. And I feel guilty of it because I've written them. And I also used to fall into the old paradigm of romanticism in that way. Right. Not anymore. And I did a lot of work before meeting you. Mm -hmm. And I know you did a lot of work before meeting me. Wait a minute, too. so I don't complete you? No, you I'm don't. I'm not your whole you world, your whole me. universe. Not, I'm, I'm not everything You're not for you. My whole world. Oh You're my not. gosh, let's stop this interview. <laughs> You're not. But but you are a big, gigantic planet in my solar system. Ooh. You know what I mean? Yes. So there's in my solar system, there's my family, there's my friends, there's my job, there's my mission, there's our pets, there's all of these different things, and then you're Jupiter, you know? <laughs> you're a huge I part of I can't be the life. sun? <laughs> no. <laughs> I can't warp your entire being? Yeah. But you know what I mean. So it's, it's You're giving, a bright star in someone's universe. It's, it's having your universe and having your solar system complete, full, happy, joyful, um, with your own purpose, your own mission, your own independence, and then meeting another person mm -hmm. who also has his universe with his whole planets and, you know, Jupiter and Mercury, Venus, whatever, yes. like I'm thinking Spanish, but you know, like all these different planets, and then say, hey, let me tell you about my universe. I wanna hear about yours. Mm. And then if it matches, then we'll share the universes together and then right. we expand. Yes. But then it doesn't become a thing of like, oh, uh, if it doesn't match, then I'm left with nothing because you were my universe. That's devastating. Devastating. <clears throat> so what should people be thinking about as they're looking for a romantic partner? How should they approach finding or creating intimacy, love, and a partner uh, when they are single? I think the most important thing to do when you're single is to know yourself very well and to know how you like to love and how you like to be loved. I don't think we do that with honesty mm. all the time. Mm -hmm. Like usually what happens is when you're, and I used to be this way, I was single and then you know, you, your heart breaks and all this stuff and then you go, okay, so where's my guy? I wanna find my guy and you go try to find your guy without even finding yourself, mm -hmm. without even really knowing yourself and what you like, what you don't like, what you, where your boundaries, what you can accept, what you wouldn't, like all these different things. So then what happens is you meet a guy, he's cute, you're kind of into the same thing, mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden you see all these amazing things about mm -hmm. the guy, but you don't realize these other things that he does. Oh, he doesn't treat waiters very well, but you didn't see it because you had the, pink glasses on, right? But then later, months later, you start going, wait a second, I think this guy's a narcissist. And I didn't realize it. Mm -hmm. So I'm just saying that's not all the time, but, but usually you go try to find love without knowing what you like and what you can accept or not accept. Yeah, and I think it's, we know our likes and interests. And so when we see others that have a similar likes and interests, we feel like we match. Yeah. But it's not enough to have no. similar likes and interests. We need similar values and, and vision and lifestyle. We need to see, do these things match? Yeah. 
But usually we are like, oh, they like the same things, the same music, the same adventures. They like traveling, so we like each other. Yeah, how can we do that? Like, mm. like if you think, oh my God, you like salsa, I like salsa too, great. Are you really gonna build a lifetime with somebody just mm -hmm. because he likes salsa and you do too? No, it has to do more with other things that are deeper, values. That's a big one. You know, most people waste a lot of time and energy, because you were asking that, into meeting a person and noticing all these amazing things, but not asking the real questions. Mm. Like a woman, let's say, you're a woman that you wanna have a family, have children, you see yourself growing old with somebody, you know, growing in youth with someone, and you meet that guy, and not only until like six months later, because you don't wanna scare him away, you ask the question, hey, do you see yourself with kids? Ask it early, like. Scare him away. Please, and if yeah. you're scared, because I have friends that say, but Martha, I'm gonna scare this person away. Scare him away. If yeah. he leaves, then that's not the person for you. The same with guys, you know, like, like ask these things. Because then later, now you're mm. in a relationship, and then what happens? Now you're in love. Now the families, the friends, you're, you know, everything. And then you start asking those questions, and now it starts the battle of trying to make the other person change. That doesn't work. Of course not. No. Nobody can change anybody. Nobody can change anybody. And what happens when you're trying to change someone else? What does that say about you? What I think it says is that you really don't love them deeply. Because when you love somebody deeply, you can accept them and mm -hmm. you can see them. And I think there's a difference between falling in love and loving someone deeply. And falling in love is the process in which you are recognizing yourself through the eyes of your lover. So, Louis, you're an amazing guy. And mm. I tell you these things, right? And you know this about you. There's this hidden part of you. You go, yeah, I'm an amazing guy, actually. And you hear me saying it, and you go, oh, my God, I love you. That's falling in love. I am, you're seeing yourself through my mm. eyes. Because I see your qualities, and I say them to you. You see them. But then there's the other part, which is really deeply falling in love, is to see everything about that person. Not only the good parts, also the other parts. Mm. And saying to that person, I accept you. Right. You're not perfect and you don't have to be because no one is. Right. I accept you. Mm -hmm. And because I'm able to see all of the parts of you, then I love you deeply. So for example, when I was dating you, Everything you were saying and you were being and your action and everything, it was information for me about who you are. Because my intention was not to change you, not to do anything, but just to get to know you. And like I said, people are fascinating, right? And especially when you're in the dating process, I was, you know, I met you and I was like, oh my God, who's this guy? I want to know who he is, what he is all about. And so anything you would do, I wouldn't take it personal. And so I think, and I don't know if you agree, but sometimes the mistake that we do is that we try to accommodate to the other person uh, because we want to be loved, we want to be liked, um, or we see only the best parts that they have, but we don't see the other parts, right? right. And so then, then when we do that, we kind of cloud ourselves, we cloud our vision. <laughs> 
because we're not seeing who the entire persona is, the entire personality is of, you know, of the person that you're seeing. And, and for example, there was, you know, in a different time, I went out with a guy that was great, but he was into ketamine. I, I don't do any drugs, I don't drink, I don't smoke, I don't do anything. And so instead of being judgmental, because that's the thing, the mistake we make very quickly, we become judgmental. Instead of being judgmental, I was so curious, who is this person? I want to know. And then when he mentioned that, with curiosity, I was like, oh, tell me more. I want to know more. And then obviously what happened is I went home that night and I was like, this is not the guy for me. It will be the guy for someone else, for sure, that enjoys that, which is good but not for me. So that's why I feel like knowing yourself very well is very important in order for you to then go out in the world and meet other people and, and find whomever it is your best match. Mm. So for me, when I met you and you were like, I don't drink, I don't smoke, I don't do any drugs. I was like, yes, you know, I don't drink, I don't smoke, I don't do any drugs. And for me, that's important, you know, and the values. The values were very important. You have amazing values and integrity. You know, you have this generosity. You are kind with people. And I think for me, that was very important to see that you're not only saying that you have all these values, because we had conversations about values. You're not only saying that, you're being the values that you're saying. And, um, and it was really beautiful when I met you to see you be, and right. to see you be you. Mm. And so then it was never, after I healed, it was never my intention to ever want to change anyone. Because if we are honest with each other and our pasts, in a way, Louis, I think we were trying to change our ex-partners in some ways, mm. you know? So whether it was like, if it was, let's say, one of the exes, an explosive personality, here I was, or here you were. Hey, read this book. There's this podcast, you know? In a way, you're trying to help them. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, we're not accepting who they are. And so that's why I feel like accepting the other person is one of the biggest things to create a beautiful relationship. Yeah, and that's why it's beautiful being in a relationship with you, because I feel accepted. Oh, yo también, I, I feel accepted I feel too. accepted, and I feel like... It's hard to, that's why I think it's important to be so upfront and honest with people mm -hmm. in the beginning of a dating experience mm -hmm. so they get to see most of you if possible. You know, obviously people are gonna be on their best behavior or whatever when they're starting to get to know each other. But I think when I was getting to know you, yes, I was being a gentleman and I was being nice, but I was also being fully honest about who I've been in the past, mm -hmm. who I am now, and who I plan to be in the future. Mm -hmm. And I think I was so clear with you. Yeah. It wasn't like I was trying to hide things. And when you would ask me questions, I would say, okay, I'm gonna share with you authentically who I am, but I don't know if you're gonna like it. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you're gonna accept it. And a lot of times I feel like people hide the things they, don't, they aren't proud of because mm -hmm. they feel like the other person's not gonna accept them or love them, and they're gonna want them to change something. Mm -hmm. As opposed to saying, this is all of me, and Maybe I'm working on some things that I'm not proud of or I'm, I'm trying to improve here, but this is where I'm at right now. Can you accept me? Mm -hmm. I think a lot of, I feel like I struggle thinking that a lot of women can't accept men fully with all their shame and past and you know challenges and mistakes they've been through in general. Do you feel like 
women struggle with accepting the men that are in front of them if they really knew all their mm -hmm. shame and insecurities? Yeah. Um, and why do you feel like it seems to be women want to change men so much? From your perspective. From it your seems perspective. seems to be women that yes, from want... Yes, that's my perspective. And what do you, why do you feel that happens mm. where women try to change men as opposed to accepting them? I think it happens both ways. I think it also happens with men. But I think, I think it's more common for me to hear the stories from women. Yes. Because I hang out with more women. So I hear, you know, all, maybe you hear stories of guys that say, oh, I wish my girlfriend wouldn't be this jealous. So that's a guy that wishes to change his girlfriend right. as well, but right? That's who she is. But this is who she is, or, or, or this is who she is at this moment in her life. Because maybe with therapy and things, she will change that about her. But he won't be able to change that. It has to come from within. One of my favorite parts about my job is that I get the opportunity to travel a lot. And in fact, I'm recording this right now while I'm in Mexico. And actually, I was thinking about something that I wanted to share because I get a lot of questions from so many people about different side hustle ideas. So here's one for those of you out there that are on the go a lot like I am or traveling a lot. When you're staying in your Airbnb on your trips, have you ever thought about how you could be making extra money by hosting through Airbnb while your home is vacant? If you're interested in an extra stream of income, Airbnb hosting is an easy place to start and it's like giving your home some company while you're away your home might be worth more than you think find out how much at airbnb.com slash host um i think what happens is that i think when women are trying to change their man number one you come off as very controlling mm -hmm. i feel like this is the thing the thing is that Nobody can change anybody. That's the truth. Like if there's a truth in life is that humans are unpredictable. And when a woman is trying to change her man, she's trying to feel safe. She's trying to create a man that won't hurt her. That in, a man that won't look at other women. Mm -hmm. A man that will like follow to a T every single thing that she wants and does. So then therefore I'm not hurt. And so there, therefore, I feel safe. But the reality is that in human condition is that no human, no man or woman is controllable. Like you want to control somebody, get a dog. Mm -hmm. Don't get a boyfriend, don't get a girlfriend, don't get a partner because you're not going to control that person. But I think there's this feeling of if I have the control of this person, then I will feel safe. And that is a myth. Like safety in life is a myth because life will forever continue to move and evolve and change. So the same as a human being, you will not control a person mm. because he will always continue to save. And, and the second that person or that guy feels controlled over and over again, that person's going to want to run away. Right. And I always say it to right. my girlfriends, think about it the opposite way. You know, imagine you are complaining, your boyfriend is complaining because you went out with the girls. A lot of women sometimes complain, oh, my guy went out with the guys, <sighs> you know? Imagine it's the opposite way. And you're the one that went out with your girls and you show up at home and instead of showing up at home, hey, I miss you, how was it? You show up with this guy that is like, so what happened? What do you do? Like, whatever. You're gonna start feeling like you're not free. Mm -hmm. 
you're you're supposed to be free in a relationship to be yourself. And if you can't, you start feeling trapped, mm. you start feeling frustrated, and then you want to run away. Yeah. You tell me, but you're the guy. But I feel like that hap- that would happen to me if it was the other way around. Mm-hmm. When was the moment then that you started to make all these realizations? They started to un- like these myths started mm-hmm. to break for you because yeah. again, you lived a certain life in Mexico, um, you know, dating and in relationships and while doing these movies, was there a moment where you're like, these movies in this this narrative <laughs> that women have, yes. maybe some of it works, but not all of this narrative. Mm-hmm. Like how old were you? And when did you start to like break free of that story and start looking at relationships differently and love differently? <clears throat> when was it? How old were you? Was there something that started to have it you? Was, aw- I'm not going to go into the specifics of right. who this person was, but it was it was a relationship in which I found myself kind of like in the horror movies almost, locked in my bathroom, mm-hmm. crying, not knowing who to call, while the other person was banging outside of the door, yeah. saying, go ahead, call your friend, and cursing and yelling. And I was like, when did I get here? Mm. Like, you know the story. So of course. When and why did I get here? Like, what part I am, what model, what type of movie, who I've been modeling after that got me to a place in which I'm saying, I'm afraid of the person I'm with, and yet it seems like I can't leave him. Mm. And you start thinking, I am the only common denominator in all the relationships that I have had, so I get to work on me. Like, this is Mm. not about what he did, this is not about, you know, all of this, or abusive behavior, or whatever it is, the circumstance. It's not about the other person, it's about you. Mm -hmm. And so when you start looking inside of you and you find you're the common denominator, you say, okay, wait a second, why am I attracting these type of guys? Right. You know, some people attract they say, oh, I want to find a great partner. And you take them to a party, and there are like 10 amazing guys, and there's that one guy who you know is trouble. And that woman who's your best friend will gravitate towards that guy instead of the other 10 they are amazing. Why do women seem to go after the the trouble, the troubled man, as opposed Uh to the healthy man? I think it has to do with your past. It has to do with your inner child. I think it has to do with unresolved trauma. Um, I feel, and it is my experience, that when you are with someone, you meet somebody, and you feel this crazy amount of chemistry, crazy amount of chemistry, like my advice is like run away, because that is not something healthy. That is mm. unresolved trauma. That is you being a child inside of an adult body, looking at another child inside of an adult body, that his unresolved trauma will touch you in a way, will complete your unresolved trauma. And you're going to learn a lot of lessons but are going to be painful. So why don't you learn them on your own instead? <laughs> you know, Or perhaps go ahead, explore that, live that, but then you will find yourself inside of a bathroom, crying, mm. afraid that this person may do something to you. Right. 
And then you'll start asking the big questions. What did I do? And so you will start looking at your past and the way you grew up and your inner child wounds. Right. Before the interview continues, if you feel like you're not living your most authentic life, not leaning into your purpose, and not living the life that your future self would be extremely proud of, I've written a new book called The Greatness Mindset, and I think you're gonna love this. Through powerful stories, science-backed strategies, and step-by-step -step guidance, The Greatness Mindset will help you overcome all the different challenges in your life to design the life of your dreams and then turn it into your reality. Make sure to click the link below in the description to get your copy today. Okay, let's get back to this video. The way we are approaching love and finding love or looking for love and the people we attract has a lot to do with this five inner child wounds mm -hmm. that if we don't assess them before getting into a relationship, mm. you will continue to attract the same guy. What are the wounds? So, one of them is the rejection wound. So the rejection wound is a wound we all have. Literally, like since you're a little kid, you know, at one point your mom or dad is gonna say no to you and you're gonna feel rejected. But there's people that have it even bigger. We yeah, all have that one, but there's people that have it even bigger. So, you know, you, you have a story of rejection in school. You've told me many, many times mm -hmm. that you know, you felt rejected, you felt like you were not. What that creates is a person that in the future, when there's trouble, and when that person feels rejected, that person's gonna try to go away, or run walk away, away or run away. Or react, or triggered, or whatever. React, mm -hmm. triggered, like, I'm feeling rejected, I'm gonna run away. Um, or it can also create a person that wants to be, it's so malleable, so adaptable, that if you like whatever thing, we'll do whatever you to fit to... in and belong, and yeah. exactly. So you're 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 looking for love, but you're you're adapting to whatever the other person wants and needs. You know, it be, like you become that type of adult. Um, then there's the abandonment wound, mm -hmm. and that's a tough one because a lot of people experience that, and a lot of women experience that from their mom or their dad. You know, there's a lot of very sad stories of my dad left for another woman and I never saw him again. And so what does that mean? Mm -hmm. And you're a little kid with your little tiny mind of nine years old. You don't think it's because of other things. You cannot put yourself in your parents' shoes. You think it's about you. Yes. And so then what happens with people that have abandonment wounds is that they become dependent and they become you know, a person that needs somebody, you know, is the kind of person that if you're having a misunderstanding and the partner wants to take a beat and walk away for a second to just kind of like relax or calm down, the abandonment wound will go after that person and say, no, don't leave me. I'm here in the middle. I'm talking. What are you doing? You know, and then it's a never ending argument all mm. night because that person's not leaving, you know, the, the good amount of space in between the two. Because if you leave, I feel you're abandoning me. Or that they get too attached. Like they are dating somebody uh -huh. and they feel, I don't know why I feel I'm gonna mess this up at one point and that person's gonna end up leaving me. So it has to do with a story of something that happened to you in your childhood. Yes. Even if your dad didn't leave, even if your mom didn't leave, sometimes it could be that you felt abandoned because they dropped you off in school when you were too little. 
and you had this anxiety about you mm. and, and maybe they didn't pick you up many, many times, you know, and you were waiting outside school and your parents didn't show up. So maybe it comes from that because some people say I have amazing parents, but I still have some of these wounds. Where are they coming yeah. from? Okay, so that's mm -hmm. the second wound. That's the second one. Then there's the humiliation wound, the humiliation. shame. You feel shame. You were humiliated. Um, so somebody, I mean, in many different ways, you have a story about that. Mm. You know, the other day we were talking about this and you went, man, I think I have most of them. Yeah. Right. And then I said to you, I love you so much because you become who you become, the man who you are, mm. which I know who you are. Having had all of these wounds is admirable. Mm. You know, the yeah. type of resilience that you have, the type of commitment with yourself that you have yeah. is massive because you do, but you were humiliated mm. in school, right? People that were bullied or people that your parents, your parents can humiliate yeah, you, yeah, they can. you know, many, many times. You're like, oh, you're the little kid. You're excited because you wrote this little song at that one moment. And your dad is with a bunch of friends. It's like, no, what? No, you sing horrible. Move out of the way. Right. And you continue. <gasps> you feel that humiliation. Right. So what that creates, um, having had a parent who has a crazy temper and you never know what you're going to expect, right? That parent that maybe... Reprehend, reprimand, how do you say reprehend, reprimand? Yeah, reprimanded, I guess. Reprimanded yeah. you. You know English better than I do. <laughs> <laughs> but reprimanded you in front of in front of other kids, yeah. you know, with a big temper, that big yeah. voice. You feel like this humiliation. So what that creates is in the future, if you have not worked in your inner child wounds, is a man or a woman that is willing to take any kind of abuse. Mm -hmm. So you're replicating the abuse right. that you had at home. So you even learned how to stand up for yourself. Exactly. Yeah. So then <laughs> you have a screaming girlfriend mm -hmm. saying, why are you, I'm going to break up with you if you don't pick up my phone call. Mm -hmm. And you continue in the relationship because you're like, yeah, yeah, of course. Because you live that. That reminds you mm -hmm. of something that it's you familiar. experienced. Yeah, it's familiar. Exactly. So you know that feeling that when you meet somebody, people say, oh, it felt like family to me. Mm. Why did it feel like family? Well, some family could be great. Another family might make you, yeah. Exactly. So like the, that's, the, that's why the question is Noticing really important. It. What mm -hmm. part of that made you feel like family? Mm -hmm. Okay, humiliation. Mm -hmm. What's number four? The other one is treason. Something that somebody... Like betrayal. So, for example, my sister, she, when I was born first, then my sister was born second. And then there was a gap in which my parents didn't have children for like six years. And mm. then they had my brother. So she was a little baby of the family. And uh, she's so funny. You know my sister. Mm -hmm. She's really fun. She's like outgoing and really ex amazing. And so then when um, my brother was born, for her, and she says this today, it felt like a betrayal. Mm. It felt like, what is this new person in the family? I'm not the little baby anymore. And mom, dad, and everyone around, including herself, they say that her personality you know, changed a little bit. Mm. And um, she felt, and to this day, she feels when she's more able to have more control is when she can feel safe. Mm -hmm. 
and because she felt betrayed by my parents, right? So then therefore later in life, she grows up as a woman and, and she's looking for love and she's looking for a man that she can in a way give direction to. And this is why her relationship and my brother-in-law you know, relationship works really well right. because in his case, he had an abandonment wound and so then he was looking for somebody to give him direction. Mm. So this is for them, in a way, it's a good, it's a good match. Right. Um, so for me, uh, being the oldest of the family, my mom was always so amazing into praising and mm. saying, oh, Martita is the helper of the family. She helps me with the, with the house. She helps me with the siblings. She helps me. So in a way, I built my identity uh, feeling as if if I was of help to somebody, then I was worth it, mm-hmm. right? I was, I had some value to bring if I was being of help to somebody. So then what happened is then later as an adult, um, before having healed my inner child wounds, I was looking for somebody I could help. Mm. And I didn't know this, this is subconscious, right? So then all of a sudden I you know, I used to fall in love with men that needed a lot of support and a lot of help. Because in a way, if they didn't need me, I didn't know if I was worthy. You know, so that was a big one for me. And then the other one was shame. So for me, it was, you know, my family too. We're very, we're jokers, we joke all the time. And especially my dad's side of the family, he was so young, he was 20 years old and he, used to like poke me or do these little things. I was one years old, two, three, forever, you know, four or five. And he would say, oh my God, look at that. He would say that to, to my mom. Look at her, she's crying just by me doing this. And he would laugh. But me as a little co- kid, I didn't know what was happening. So right. then I would feel, my dad is laughing at me, right? So I felt shame. And I had other moments in my life. I stole something from school, which is, you know, my mom was really upset, which was good, by the way, that I learned a lesson. But in front of my entire classroom, she said that I had stolen a pencil, sharper pencil, you know, sharpener, Sharpener, yes. And so I was crying in front of the classroom and I felt embarrassed. So then later, people who experience a lot of shame are the ones that turn into, you know, people that can withstand a lot of abuse later in life mm. because that's what it feels familiar to you you know and and i gotta say something that i think it's very important it's not our parents fault we should you know stop blaming our parents for the way we are they did what they could with what they could they did their best with what they the tools they had you know the things they had so and it's up to us to heal ourselves and then there's another one that's called the injustice one. Mm-hmm. So something that happened to you at one point in life that you felt things were unjust. You know, whether it's, um, whether it's, you know, the way in your perspective they treated your sister or your brother way better than they treated you. Mm-hmm. That felt unjust. So then... You didn't fix that inside of you. So then later in life, it makes you a very rigid person. Rigidity. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't, you want things to be a certain way and that's it. Or you're just triggered if you see injustices constantly and mm-hmm. everything is unjust. Yeah. And it takes a lot of your energy yeah. to manage those emotions. Yeah. 
And so if things weren't just for you when you were a little kid, you replicate it as an adult in ways of you become competitive with your partner mm-hmm. because you're trying to find justice. Right. Oh, I, you know what? I work so much. Of course, you take care of the kids and don't tell me anything about anything because this is what's fair. Mm-hmm. Wait, let's talk about it, you know? So this is that type of personality. So yeah. for me, you know this, I needed to dive down inside of what was my life story, what was my wounds, why was I attracting these type of personalities? And why was it that whenever I attracted a nice guy, it felt boring? Mm. That happens to a lot of people. Why do, why do women not like the nice guy? Why do they not? Well, I do. Yeah. Why do some women? So nice. What do some women not fall for a healthy, nice, conscious man, and they fall for a man that has, you know, likes and interests, but doesn't have a healthy relationship with themselves and doesn't treat others well? Why do they fall for that? Yeah. Um, well, one is this, you know, because they haven't addressed that they're they're looking for love as a wounded child, mm-hmm. as opposed to, you know, being open to love as an adult, which is, I think this is the way you and I met. We were not anymore looking for love. Right. And although healing is an, a never-ending journey, we were very aware mm-hmm. of what was the inner child wounds that was having you attracting certain type of women and me, certain type of men. And so then therefore, once, like the first step is to be aware of it. And then you start noticing, ah. Oh, and then something happens. Did it happen to you, Louis? Because for me, it was this integration of my inner child. Mm-hmm. The, the, this moment, these exercises that I would do in which I would say, oh, my God, I got myself. You know, uh, Nilda is my therapist. You know, you know, I talked to you about Nilda. She's incredible. And she said to me back in the day when I was in a relationship, this person yelling at me all the time, you know, like all these things. And she would say, don't. Don't say he's yelling at me. He just yells. It just doesn't go with you. Right. And you can either choose to accept it or not. Or get out of there. But changing it is actually something that you got to look at within yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, if I don't accept who this person is, um, it doesn't mean they're right or wrong, good or bad. It just means it's not a good match for me. Yeah. And so they may not want to change. And... You have to be okay with it if the other person doesn't want to change. Yeah. And you have to evaluate, okay, am I happy removing myself from this relationship? Even though there might be some other benefits, but can I deal with the parts that cause the most stress and pain? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think, again, not everyone is bad all the time or something, yeah. but are the things that I don't like or don't match or align with, knowing this may never change. If it never changes, am I accepting it and okay with it? Mm-hmm. And I think if you're not willing to accept who they are now, you can't expect them to change Mm-mm. later. No. So it's learning to say, am I okay? And can I give into this or accept this? Or, you know, is this a non-negotiable for me? You know, one of the things <clears> that we got, you know, into our relationship and the dating process, I was just like, you know, it's non-negotiable for, for me and us to not yell. We can oh, yeah, disagree, me, no. we can argue, mm-hmm. but screaming and yelling does not work for me. No. And had I experienced that with you in the first, I don't know, six months or a year, I might have been like, huh, okay, this is something that you do, maybe from time to time, you haven't done that. No. But I would witness it and be like, okay, 
this doesn't work for me. And having a conscious conversation saying, hey, if this is the way you're going to be at times, just let me know because it doesn't work for me. Yeah. And, or am I able to accept you if once in a while you do yell, mm -hmm. if there's a lot of other good that happens? Yeah. And I think that's those little nuances are hard for sometimes for people to decide. Yeah, because everybody wants to be loved. Mm -hmm. And so then now finally you're in a relationship. Finally you have the chemistry, the kisses, the you know, you know how it feels. Yeah. And then you're thinking, well, then, if I'm single again, well, I find someone who's good <gasps> and I don't want to be alone and all these things. But, but wait a second, there are all these things that are great. Yeah. Okay, all these things that are bad. But okay, but maybe with time. And then you hand them the book. Then you hand them the podcast. No. And then you become the coach. People don't want to change, though. People don't want to change who they are when they're in a relationship. No. I, I have, before you, I've chosen many relationships where I felt resistance. I felt like I didn't want to change, but the only way to make this person happy was if I changed so many different yeah. things. Yeah. And that was on, you know, that was on me for deciding to adjust and change and adapt to make someone happy, as opposed to just being full, authentic yourself mm -hmm. and being in a in a relationship where you commit to personal growth individually. Yeah. I think that's something we've done really well is Very committing well. to being in a process of personal growth individually, both having emotional coaching yeah. and saying, hey, I'm gonna grow whether we're together or not. <laughs> and you're gonna grow whether we're together or not. <laughs> yeah. So let's make that commitment and pact from the beginning, which I think creates a lot of safety in the relationship mm -hmm. for both of us, knowing this person's not gonna stop improving. They're not gonna mm -hmm. stop learning. They're gonna keep having a beginner's mind yeah. about their emotions, their relationship to themselves, how they navigate stress, knowing we're never perfect human beings, but we're in a process of, of growth. Yes, I think that commitment to growth uh, gives us a lot of peace. Yeah, and There's think, so many things that I, I feel so grateful for the way we started our relationship mm -hmm. and how it happened. And I feel so grateful for your past and my past. Mm -hmm. I feel very, very grateful for that because if you didn't live the things you lived and I didn't live the things I lived, we wouldn't have met when we needed to meet right. to continue the growth process in this way. But the same for me, you know, I was, I was nodding when you said, well, if I would have seen you yelling, you know, after six months, I probably would have been like, hey, wait a second. I think with the experience that I had, if you would have started yelling in month three, I'd be like, thank you very much. Mm -hmm. You know, it was so great to be with you for right. those three months. Right. And that's it. Right. Because there's things that, you know, wouldn't have worked for me either. Right, right, and right. So, so it's interesting because what I tell most of my girlfriends is after you do this and you find the way, the, you know, the, the inner child wounds and you address them. And let's say now you're ready because you're open to meet guys. Meet them where they are. You know, don't meet the potential. Mm. Don't try to see, oh my God, this guy seems like he could be this. And no, no, no. Like, look at who that person is and look at everything that they're doing and don't judge them. Everything is just information. Mm -hmm. if that was for me, like when I was meeting you. Yes. The thing that I wanted the most when I was meeting you is for you to be authentically you. Mm -hmm. So when you would say to me, oh my God, I'm going to tell you something, I think this is going to make you run away. I would think, oh my God, maybe he's into like threesomes <laughs> or crazy stuff or drugs uh -huh. or something. That's definitely gonna make me run away and put you in the friend category. Right. But you would say something that for me was like, oh, 
that's amazing, yeah. you know? Yeah. So it's information. It's just what happens is we very quickly, and especially women, we very quickly jump into the place in which we see them as our future husbands. Right, right, right away. Right they away. have the potential. Yeah. What, it, happen, what happens to a woman who starts seeing a man as their future husband in the first months of getting to know them? What happens, what do they tend to do more of that actually will hurt the relationship long term? You know, it's interesting because at the beginning, they, everything's great, right? So they see all the good, all the good parts. So then for about three, four months, everything was amazing. Everything was fantastic. And then the entire person starts coming out. I don't like to say the real person starts coming out because also all the, the other things that you saw at the beginning is still the real person. But it's the just, rest of them. The rest of them starts to come out. So then what happens? Now you want to start changing them because they don't... To go back to this perfect thing. To match you. Yeah. To match you. You know, so if you're like regularly, a, you know, a joyful person and you don't necessarily raise your voice or yell when you're having an argument or whatever, and while you're dating that person, you saw that that person yelled at the valet parking guy, right? But he's not yelling at you because you're living this in this beautiful mm -hmm. pink bubble. You continue the relationship. You're not paying attention. Everything is information. And if a guy tells you, I don't want to have kids, Believe him. Yeah. He doesn't want to have kids. Don't keep don't dating think, him if you want to have kids. Yeah. Don't think you're going to be like, you know, the, the like Bella in The Beauty and the Beast. And you're going to say, tame him. I'm going to tame this beast. And he's going to be the one that's going to have kids with me. No. Everything that a guy says to you, believe him. Uh, that's the truth. Believe that person. Mm -hmm. Because why would he lie to you? Unless he, you know, is some sociopath or whatever. But, but a lot of people, I mean, it's interesting because... I would say certain things in previous relationships in my 20s. I'd be like, you know, I'm not really looking for a commitment. But then I would say it to kind of like protect myself. Mm -hmm. like, hey, I'm being honest. Mm -hmm. But I'm happy to hang out and kind of see where this goes like casually mm -hmm. and, you know, date you. But I'm really not looking for a long-term commitment. Mm -hmm. And I think you hear men say this a lot to women. And you hear women saying, well, he, we had this amazing time, but he said he's not really looking for something serious. Yeah. So if he's not looking for something serious, stop investing in him in yeah. a serious way. Exactly. If you want something serious. It, yeah. If, you're, if you don't, great. Then cool. Do then whatever, have fun. But don't be upset mm -hmm. in two, three months when he's like off dating someone else and not investing in you because now you have feelings for him from a chemical bond. Yeah. And I think that's where, where people get, mm -hmm. both men and women, they get caught up in it because they start to have chemical bonds sexually as opposed to... Okay, are we in alignment of what we want in terms of being in some type of relationship? Mm -hmm. Or am I okay if this person starts to abandon me or starts to, to not be as connected to me mm -hmm. and starts to live their lives in a different way? Will I be okay with that? Mm -hmm. yeah. A lot of times people get hurt from that. Another thing that is information is do their words match their actions? Mm -hmm. Oh my God, he's telling me all the most beautiful words, but he's always late. Mm. You know, he's telling me, Whatever, he has this amazing life with this amazing job of this and but I actually don't see him very much, you know, working. Mm. So mm, I pay attention more to the actions. Is he in alignment with his behaviors? Yeah. 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 I think that was interesting for us when we met, like the first thirty minutes, the first hour, we started talking about 
the inner child. <laughs> well, well Almost, yeah. not like the most like <laughs> shiny things. Yeah, you know, true. we weren't like, oh, I'm no. this amazing person and you're this amazing person and what are you up to and how you're crushing in life. We really kind of got pretty deep quickly. And I think we were both being very authentic of like, yeah. this is what, you know, we've been experiencing over the past year and this is our journey and this is kind of where we we're at. Yeah. And it wasn't like, look at me trying to be the best version of no, myself in front in of you. No, I came out in flip-flops. Yeah. You remember? Yeah. You looked at me and you went, you're a midget. I went, mm -hmm. oh my God, you're a giant. Mm -hmm. And then you gave me that big hug, you know, like that big hug that you're known to be giving you. Mm -hmm. And uh, and we had a great time. And mm -hmm. it was just mainly, because that's the thing, I was not looking for love. Yeah. I was open to it, but yeah. I was not looking for love. Right. And you were the same way. So... I was really curious about who were you mm, about. Yes. As yeah. I was curious about other guys. And I was like, you know, who are you? What are you about? Who are you? What are you about? Mm -hmm. And then obviously you were the best of all of them. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, the best for me. Well, it was the best match. The best for you me, know, and it exactly. Doesn't, it doesn't matter. It's not about it. No, but that's why I said the best Yeah, the best match. Me. And it's being being open and aware of what, what you want as an individual yeah. and seeing does this person match. I feel like we got really fortunate in a lot of ways because we share identical love languages yes which i never learned i never realized how important Oof. like being in alignment of love languages or being okay if you don't match and you being okay with having to give someone else something that you're not typically known to do yeah. and if you're okay with that and so our love languages match who mm -hmm. we are our personality mm -hmm. And so when I show up, you know, wanting to spend quality time and touch and words of affirmation yeah. with you, that is my personality. And for me, it's great because then what happens is because it's also my love languages, I feel loved. You don't exactly. have to make an extra effort yeah. for me to feel appreciated. And I think this is, you know, I've heard people say, like, you want to understand your partner, what their needs are and give them their needs and, and help them in meeting those needs with their love languages. And I agree that if you want to make a relationship work in a healthy way, mm -hmm. you want to be of service to someone's ability to receive love. So you want to be able to give and contribute in that way the best way you can. Yeah. But if that's not your natural come from, it just makes it a little more friction in order to make that happen. You have to think about it more intently. You have to like go out of your way yeah. and do something that's uncomfortable yeah. for you. Mm -hmm. So I'm not saying it can't work effectively. I just feel grateful that I can me show too. up as myself <laughs> yeah. and not be like, oh, every week she needs a gift from me or she needs me to do this mm -hmm. thing or she needs this thing. Otherwise, she won't feel loved. Yeah. You know, you feel loved based on love language alignment. And I think everyone should be aware of that. Not meaning it won't work out in a relationship. It's just that you probably have to make a little bit more of an effort more to communicate effort. in the yes. other person's love language. But it happens all the time. I hear stories. I told you that, that when I was in... In middle school and in high school, part of college, I would hang out with a lot of guys. I would had a traumatic event when I was a little girl, and uh, my two best girlfriends passed. Mm -hmm. And so then, after that, I was just hanging out with guys yeah. for a long time until I healed that part, and I have a good group of friends. But when, when I started realizing these things, one of my friends, I remember, he said, I just... She doesn't know what to do. She thinks I don't love her. Mm. But here I am. You know, I took her on this trip and I 
took her on this experience and I took her on this thing. And I, you know, if, if she needs something in the middle of the night, I go and I'm there for her. So clearly his love language is actions, mm -hmm. right? So then what happens? She says, I, I don't feel like he loves me because he never tells me how beautiful I look. You know, I'm wearing this dress he bought me and I'm like parading myself in front of him and he doesn't say anything. And he never tells me I love you. He never tells me. Well, he is with his actions, but you're not receiving it because your love language yeah. is words of affirmation. Yes. So then once you know your, that's why knowing yourself is so important. It just causes more friction. It doesn't mean the relationship yeah. can't work, but it, I think what we've tried to do is make sure we're in alignment yeah. with as much things as possible. Yeah. And accepting the other person's values, vision, and lifestyle. Yes. And, and also saying, okay, am I in alignment with it? And maybe sometimes I don't want to do certain things, but I've accepted who you are and I'm okay with certain things that I do them, right? And vice versa. Mm -hmm. As opposed to being like, wow, I really don't like these 17 things that you like doing or your, your values around this thing or whatever it might be. But I'm going to give in without really truly accepting it. That's yeah. when there's more friction, I think. Yeah. So I think we've gotten really fortunate in very, being very aligned. Mm -hmm. But I also think that, you know, we've both spent 20 years in multiple <laughs> relationships yeah. where we, we, we learned and made mistakes and did things where, okay, we, we've got a lot of wisdom now. Mm -hmm. And I've told you many times that if I got into like a relationship in my early 20s and got married, there's, I don't think there's any way that I would have been able to make it work if it if we got in a relationship where it was out of alignment yeah. from the start. Mm -hmm. Like if we just got married because I was like, oh, I love you and this is amazing and we're having this chemistry and I got married without getting clear on are we aligned mm -hmm. on our values, our vision, our lifestyle and, and all these other things. Yeah. I don't know if I would have had the skills or the willpower or the emotional intelligence to navigate a healthy marriage. I just don't think I could have done it. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying I'm making an excuse. I just don't think I was capable of that. Yep. And it's probably why I was so afraid of commitment in my 20s because I was like, ah, I don't want to mess <laughs> this up. Mm -hmm. um, but I think a lot of people jump into commitment and then into marriage mm -hmm. without 100% honesty and authenticity around who they are, mm -hmm. what they want now, and what they're planning and intending for the future. Mm -hmm. So what is a question that women can ask men okay. or the specific questions they can ask to where they can get more information out of them to mm -hmm. see if it's a right alignment or match? I think, oof, it's so important. And obviously and you gotta listen obviously you gotta listen to the person to have discernment yeah. when you're listening. Because a lot of guys could skirt around it or be a little mm -hmm. inauthentic or, you know, potentially lie to not tell you the wrong thing mm -hmm. and make sure they don't hurt you. Mm -hmm. So how do you have the intuition also to hear and feel this is authentic? Yeah. I think I think the one of the things that is the thing that I used to do when I was in my, I was in my twenties is that when you are on the first few dates, you usually talk a lot about yourself. You want the other person to fall in love with you. So you share, 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 share so much information. And because you want to be liked, I'd say now, I would say, get as much information as you can from the other person. It's amazing to meet someone new. And it's amazing to get to know their stories. And in the way they tell you their stories and how they tell you their stories, you're going to find information. So for mm -hmm. example, it's not the same when you meet a guy who has cheated in the past 
who tells you that he cheated because the woman was crazy. Mm. If a guy tells you he cheated because the woman was crazy, that's a guy that has not healed. He has not taken responsibility of his own actions. Mm -hmm. But if he tells you, listen, this is what happened. There's two sides of the story. This is her story, this is my story, and this is what happened. Mm -hmm. Then, and what do you learn? Like asking questions like this, so what do you learn? Or, or not even asking that question, just wait to see if he tells you what did he learn or she learned. Well, I learned that I was out of integrity and that's the worst thing I can do to myself because then I lose self-love. I learned that I hurt another human being and that I betrayed someone else. And in that process, I also betrayed myself. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's a person that has learned the lesson. Yeah. So pay attention in not only the story, but how they tell you the story. Like, I think that's a very important one. And, um, and listen to them and believe them. Again, it's this thing, like believe what they're saying. So like another question, I think things like this should be asked sooner. And most of my girlfriends mm. say, I don't want to scare away the guy. But don't ask the guy, do you see, like, do, do you, like, would you want to marry me? Or right. do, do, you, do you see us having children? Don't ask those questions. If you, on the first month you're seeing yourself already having children with that guy there's something wrong with you really you don't know him yet right. you don't know him <laughs> how can you think you're gonna have children with this man that you've known for one month wow really no it's your children you're talking about it's take your, it's the rest your, of your time. life it's the rest of your it's life your life and then if it doesn't work it's co-parenting with that stranger <laughs> that you met for one month mm -hmm. and you're already thinking that way no what about when people say, you know what, we met each other and we got married within a week or within a month. I, we I just we just knew. And, <laughs> uh, you know, maybe there are some cases where that ends up, you guys can stay together for a long yeah, time yeah. and have a healthy relationship and yeah. a life. But most of the time it probably doesn't work out. And why do you think jumping into a long-term committed, lifelong uh, commitment after a week or a month of knowing someone it's probably not the healthiest thing to do. And where does it come from when someone wants to commit because they feel like, I just know this is my soulmate or my person oh my after a day, a week, a month. This is it. And we're going to have this incredible life together. What is happening from that place of knowing that quickly that this is my person for life and let's, have, let's have, get married and have babies now? That, I think that's, that's a little bit insane to me. I think that has a lot to do with movies. I think that has a lot to do with codependency and you complete me type of feeling. I, you know this, but there's a person in my life that on day two, he told me, you're going to mm -hmm. think I'm crazy. I love you. Same person that was banging on that mm -hmm. door, acting crazy. I'm not saying he was crazy. I'm just saying that how can you say to somebody or somebody can say to you, I love you on date two if you actually don't know them. Mm. You can say, I like you. Right. Maybe that's what they mean. <clears throat> I'm interested in you. Maybe I like who you are, yeah, your or personality. I'm fascinated by you. Yeah. I feel like so attracted to you. That's good. Maybe that's what they mean. Now, going to the story of that, my dad saw my mom, and he said, I like that woman for the seventh children of my mom, which is him. He's the seventh children, right? And he, But he didn't think that's the woman I'm going to marry. He said, I like that woman for me. I like her. And I, when I have conversations, my parents have been married for 40-something years. When I have conversations with them, I say, what, 
you got married, you were 19, and my mom was, you know, right. it was the, the opposite. My dad was 20, and my mom was 19. It's so young. How did you, you were so young. Yeah. How did you do that? Like, how did you do that? And my mom is a very smart woman, and she said, I listened to my grandma, and I followed everything she told me. So, which is, I had the hard conversations with your dad right. way before we got married. And my mom, all of my life, told me, love is a choice. This thing that kids say, oh my God, I felt this chemistry. She said, no, love is a choice. And you choose to love every day. And you choose me every day. Yeah. And I choose you every day. Yeah. Which is why it's so beautiful when you think about this idea of and this reality of like freedom in the relationship mm -hmm. and this myth of safety you know there's mm -hmm. a lot of people out there that that feel like and a lot of women i gotta say and i was one of them that you you feel like oh i want to feel safe in this relationship i want to i want to be engaged i want to be married and once i get engaged once i get married then i'll, I'll feel safe, safe. Why do women want that type of safety? And why do they try to control the idea of safety in their man? By controlling a timeline, or by controlling a financial situation, or by controlling how they react or respond to you, or what they need to do for you daily so you feel safe. Why is there this need of control or this uh, false sense of safety that some women tend to have? Mm -hmm. And can they actually create safety in that way? No, you cannot create safety in that way. What happens is that we are taught in life that once you get the ring, you're safe. Once you get married, you're mm -hmm. safe. Once you have the home. Once you have the home, you're safe. No, you are the only person that can make you feel safe. You cannot leave your safety to the other guys. Like you, mm. you, Louis, I love you very much, mm -hmm. but I can never leave my sense of safety in your hands. In my hands, because then what? What, what happens if, if you do that? Because then if you, quote unquote, fail me then in this or safe. this, then I don't feel safe, then I'm gonna wanna get back my safety. And how am I gonna get back my safety? By trying to control you mm -hmm. and the way you behave, because I'm the one that's not safe. Mm. You know, so I was talking to a girlfriend in Mexico that she was telling me, you know, I feel very insecure about my boyfriend's ex-girlfriends because they've all been so much more beautiful than I am. And she was asking for my advice. And I was like, okay, well, tell me more about this. She's like, yeah, you know, the other day I felt really anxious because we were going to go to this party and one of the exes was going to be there. Mm. And, uh, and then it so happened to be that I was going to go to, you know, on, she had something to do that day, so she couldn't go to the party, but it was a work party, so he had to go, no so matter what. So he was gonna what. be there and his ex would so be there. So the ex was going to be there, and so then she was feeling so insecure because what if the spark comes to life again, right? And she was mm. like, ah, and I don't feel safe. And so, and I understand the feeling, you know, I can understand the feeling because I have felt like that in the past before I did a lot of work in therapy <laughs> and, and healed a lot of my inner childhood wounds. Um, but that's why it makes me, I understand the feeling. And I said, so, so what, what do you wanna do? 
well, I'm thinking about canceling all these things that I have for work so then I can go to the party. So then therefore you can be there so you can control and you can Jeez. see what's happening so that therefore you can feel safe, right? Yes. I said, well, let's look at what's behind that safety. Like, why is it that you don't feel safe? You know, what is it? Well, I don't know. I think, have you ever thought about the possibility that it has to do with, it's just like, it's just that I love him very much. I said, yes, you do. And you're a wonderful woman, but perhaps you are controlling. And there's no way you can control what he does and when he does it or how he does it ever. The only thing you can control is yourself. Yes. <laughs> That's the only thing you can do in your life, in anything. Because right. the beauty about human beings is that are non-controllable. And because your man is non-controllable is why you take care of it mm. every day. You invest That's, in it, yeah. You invest in him every day. Yeah, and if he was like, went to this party alone and had a spark with his ex-girlfriend or whatever, then it probably doesn't mean he was the right guy for you. No. If he's going to re get so easily sparked mm -hmm. from one conversation and think, ah, I want to go be with this person, then you don't want to be with someone who's not committed and investing mm -hmm. in the relationship yeah. or who's easily persuaded somewhere else. Yeah. That easily from one conversation. Then you save yourself a lot of time. Yes. Because then, then got that guy would went eventually with the other do woman. That. It would exactly. And so, but but I wanted to go deeper. Yeah. And I wanted to say, okay, so but let's let's go seriously. Let's find what's going on underneath. Like, why do you feel so insecure about your guys' exes? Because they were all supermodels, right? Okay, but what? So what's underneath? And she finally got it, and she goes, "It's just that I feel like I'm not enough." Mm. So I said, okay, so what part of you is trying to control your man because you feel you are not enough? So what's going to happen is you're going to continue to act this jealous, you know, because she's, she's, she behaves like she's jealous, a jealous person, right? So she behaves controlling and she's insecure and she's asking him all the questions every day. What do you do? Who do you do it with? What happened? All the time. And what's going to end up happening is is that your guy is going to start sensing that every day or almost every day you are not happy. And a man, and you tell me if I'm wrong, mm -hmm. but a guy is wired to want to make you feel happy, to want to make you feel great, to want to make you be in your feminine energy, joyful, you know, like loving, nurturing, mm -hmm. all these different things. And when he sees that you're upset at him, or that you're upset because of something, he's gonna wanna try to make you happy. And then the next day that you cannot control, the next thing that you cannot control happens the next day. So what's gonna happen to that guy? You tell me. He's gonna try to make her happy. Uh, of course. And he's gonna, what's gonna happen? He's gonna start getting more and more frustrated. And if you're never happy, he's gonna feel like he's failing in the relationship. He's failing because mm -hmm. he's wired to make you wanna be happy. Yes. So he will feel he's failing. He will make it about himself. I am not good enough for her. Right. I'm not enough. She's never I'm happy. Enough. She's never I don't know happy. what I need to do to make her happy. I give her this. I buy her this. Exactly. I take care of this. I call her 20 times a day and she's yeah. still not happy. It's because it's never enough. Exactly. And when the reality is that you feel you are not enough. And no matter what your boyfriend will do to try to make you happy. Mm -hmm. If you don't feel you are enough. I mean, it's just it just becomes exhausting. Insecurity and jealousy will ruin a relationship long term. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Maybe in the beginning it seems like cute or like, oh, this person really cares about me. They're like jealous or whatever or they're a little like worried or insecure or something that might seem cute in the first few months. 
but it, it becomes exhausting yeah. over time because yeah. you start to say, I give this person over and over again. I'm investing mm -hmm. in them. I'm giving to them. I'm writing them love letters. I tell them how sweet they are. I'm buying them flowers, whatever it is. And they still get jealous and insecure. What will it take to get them to not be jealous and insecure? Nothing, Nothing from the person. They need to learn how to be inside uh, complete and safe and secure with who they are mm -hmm. in the relationship. Yeah. And that's why you've really got to ask yourself, do we align? Do we match? Mm -hmm. um, and questions, the big questions, right? And yeah. how to ask them because... You know, again, you don't want to scare the guy and say, uh, do you see yourself? You, see? Yeah. you ask them like this, do you? Because you're getting to know him, right? So you don't see, your, you, you don't see marrying that guy if you're sane. <laughs> really. You don't fall in love in you two days. You don't fall in love in two days. Yeah. So you're getting to know this guy. And so you don't say that. You say, do you see yourself married mm. in the future? One day. Yeah. In the future. Yeah. Did you see yourself with kids in the future? Not with me. No, right not now. with you. You don't yeah, have yeah. the wedding dress in your trunk. Yeah. No. So do you see yourself? Yeah, I think that's interesting. Yeah, you asked a lot of good questions early on and one of them was you asked me that question, like, do you see yourself yeah. getting married and having kids? And I remember being like, Well, I'm gonna be honest, because I haven't felt a hundred percent sure in the past, but it's because I didn't feel safe mm -hmm. in relationships mm -hmm. and I always felt trapped or I felt like could I really trust this person long term? Mm -hmm. In you know, and it was all from a wound of my parents and stuff like that. But you asked it in a way like it was curiosity. Do you see yourself doing this? And I said, and I was honest. I was like, well, I haven't fully, but yes, I see with the right environment and the mm -hmm. right partner where I feel safe, where I feel free in a relationship to be myself. Exactly. And based on that, you were like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. But me saying, well, I haven't really fully felt that in the past didn't scare you. No. You were like, okay, that's information about he didn't have the right partnerships, mm -hmm. but it doesn't mean he's not against it. Exactly. And I, if, I have, if I would have said like, no, I never want kids and never want marriage, that's not for me, you probably would have said, okay, great, well, this isn't yeah, the right relationship. you're a great friend. I, re I actually yeah. remember the conversation because it was like, we had many different conversations. Yes. There was one that I remember, um, how was it? I remember saying to you something. That was one of the first I'm gonna ones. I'm going to ask you, I said, I'm going to ask you yeah. two questions. I remember, exactly. And depending on the answer, we can continue, <laughs> you know, seeing Dating. each other romantically, or we're just going to be great friends. And by the way, it's going to be an amazing, like, amazing yeah. friendship. I remember that. Because the way we were getting to know each other it was not with the goal of... No, it was exploring and having exploring. fun and connecting. Yeah, it was exactly. fun and, and uh, freeing. Yeah. And just like exploring each other as human beings. Yeah. It so was when, beautiful. And you asked me that question, and yeah. I remember thinking, oh, shoot, what is she going to ask me? And you were like, do you see yourself... Because you, you were like, based on this answer, we, we may not essentially hang out yeah, in that, the same way anymore. We've been, I don't it's know, like hanging month, out for a little bit. A month and a half, maybe. Like a month and a half or yeah. something like that, yeah. And I was like, oh man, I kind of got sad because I was like, oh shoot, I don't even know if I want you to ask me this question because I didn't want to lie to you. I know, I remember but it thinking, was important for me to I remember thinking honesty. like, uh, maybe tell me it's tomorrow. You know, let's just enjoy the <laughs> night. Like, face, uh, let's just hang out and like not spoil the moment. <laughs> and I remember it was kind of sad because I was like, oh shoot, I want to be 100% authentic yeah. to who I am. Mm -hmm. And hopefully she's not going to ask me something where I'm saying the truth and my truth and she's like, that's not what I want. And we'll have to stop this. Mm -hmm. And that's a scary thing for a lot of yeah, people. And I it think is. it takes a lot of courage 
to say, oh man, here's an amazing human being that's in front of me that we've had this great yeah. month or two weeks or six weeks, so much fun, and I don't want this to end. And so then sometimes people will give in to make the, the joy and the fun and the excitement continue. They'll give in or they'll hide some things mm-hmm. or hold back on some of the truth because yeah. they don't want to let the person down. But they're doing a disservice to themselves. Yeah, and to the, yeah, they're abandoning themselves. And the relationship. And the future is going to make it harder because yeah. then you've got to deal with the truth at some point. Because it's going to come out. No and after what. a year, two years, mm-hmm. whatever, eventually it's going to come out. Yeah. Um, and that, and if it comes out sooner than, if it comes out early, sometimes people can, can manage the truth earlier mm-hmm. because of the authenticity of it. Yeah. Unless it's a deal breaker on something like kids and marriage. But yeah. if they were like, huh, I didn't like that this thing happened, but they were honest about it early on. You can and say, I respect that. It. I respect it. Yeah. Maybe maybe if you would have held this in a year and told me, then it's a deal breaker. But can you imagine the anxiety? Like oh, not man. asking these questions until a year after? Oh, that'd be crazy. Well, that's what most people do. Exactly. And they, they wait because they don't want to ruffle the feathers. Yeah. And so you asked me that and I told you, yes, with the right person mm-hmm. and the right foundation. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I can't commit to that right now knowing you for... No, you didn't, because we didn't make, you didn't make it about me. Right, but I was just like, I wouldn't be able to do this unless I had time and energy and like really exploring someone for a period of time Mm -hmm. where I felt safe and free to be authentically me Mm -hmm. and not judged or made wrong. And for me, that answer was great because I've, in my experience of life, I have felt not safe to have children with other people. Yeah. So that makes sense to me. Yeah, exactly. Because it's, it's similar to my answer. Exactly. You asked me a number of questions early on where I was like, okay, I'm going to be fully authentic and honest, but mm-hmm. we may not be friends anymore or be in this relationship anymore. Um, and one of them was, Lewis, what's your priorities? It was like a, a conversation around priorities in life. Oh, yeah. And and you said something it was, like... It was, it was like this. Go ahead. We were talking about, in general, about, you know this thing about how some people are not completely honest and they, if they're not honest, then later the honesty, you know, the, whatever, the truth comes out. Yes. And uh, about truths. We were talking about truths. Uh-huh. And I was telling you that I was loving how authentic you are. Yes. And that's amazing. For me, it was like the way you show up to our relationship mm-hmm. and the way you show up to people and the way you show up in life. You're so authentic mm-hmm. and I love that. Mm-hmm. And so you said, well, I'm going to tell you something that I think this one is really, well, you, really well, you going to make said, it run away. You also said, what's your priorities in life? You asked uh-huh, me a question uh-huh. about priorities. What's your priorities in life? And I'll tell you why that one was important. And I was like, oh, yes. shoot. I didn't want this question to happen right now. <laughs> Go ahead. And then you said. Well, why, why did you ask this question? Why was it important oh, for you? So this question was very important for me because in the past, um, I had been in relationships in which, how do I explain this? You know this, I'm an actor, mm-hmm. I'm a producer, mm-hmm. I'm a writer. Um, I read my first inspirational book when I was nine years old. Yeah. And then the second one at nine years old, the third one at nine years old, I was like into all of that world and wanted to. So very early in my life, I found my burning desire. I, I knew very early in my life that I wanted to be an actor and that I wanted to eventually make movies. And so then whenever I started dating my first boyfriend, I would ask, you know, what is your burden and desire? Mm-hmm. What is that thing that you wake up in the morning and you just 
I have to do it. You just really have to do it. Because it makes you feel great and it makes you feel in service or it makes you feel in, you know, whatever that is. And in the past, I've had relationships in which they would say, you. Mm -hmm. And I would say, don't tell me that. Yeah. Don't tell me it's me because that's a huge responsibility. Yeah. And this is being coached by my mom, right? I was 15 and asking yes. these questions because my mom always said, if a guy tells you this, that's not necessarily the best. This is a huge responsibility. So I would ask this and when they would say you, I would feel there was something wrong. Right. So then I asked you that question. You asked me, yeah, you asked me like, <clears throat> I don't remember when this was, maybe two months in, I don't know. Mm-hmm. What was it? Kind of around this. Probably, yeah. Around this time, yeah, like around two months time. of like dating. Yeah. And also I wanted to say, and then, or if they say, I don't know, for one, me, one of my burning desire, your burning my dream desire, is, yeah. your dream is your <clears throat> that thing that you need to do that you are here for. If they would say, "I don't know," for me, I learned in my experience that I broke up with one of my boyfriends. My, we kind of broke up together. It wasn't like I broke up with him because I was acting and doing my thing, yeah. and he was like, <clears throat> "I just, I don't have my thing." Mm-hmm. And I don't know what that is. That's right? hard. Yeah, Something. it's hard. Yeah. So you asked me this question, you know, what are your priorities? And um, I remember saying to you at this point, I was like, well, based on what I'm going to say, I don't know if you're going to want to date me after this. Yeah, you said that. So it's kind of, you said this already in a previous conversation about like <laughs> marriage and kids. Do yeah. I see myself in the future around this? And then this was maybe a few weeks later about priorities. And I go, oh, shoot. Did you have to ask me this? Because I got to be honest. Yeah. I don't want to be inauthentic. I want to be full integrity. But I've never experienced a person before where I told them my priorities and they felt good about it. They didn't feel good. And so therefore I felt I was failing because mm. they were not happy. Okay. And so when I told you... I they think were I, not happy They were not happy with truth? my priorities, yes. And with your, with your truth. My truth of my priorities. Which is crazy to think So about. I felt like, okay, well let me minimize my priorities mm. so you feel better about the relationship. Anyways... So you asked me the priorities question, the, the big question that every man hears at some point from a woman they're dating, what are your priorities? And I said, I'm going to tell you, but I don't think you're like this. And I don't think you can handle the truth. Are you sure you want the truth? I said something like that. Yeah, you did. And you said, yeah, I wanted the truth. I go, are you sure? I think I asked you like three or four times. Yeah, are you me, sure? Your truth was the most valuable thing. And you yeah. said, please. And yeah. I go, I just don't know if you'll be able to accept it. <laughs> and I'm and you're thinking, not going to like me. I'm thinking crazy things. I know. What's he going Yeah, say? exactly. Um, and I said, okay, well, my number one priority in life is my health and, and making sure I take time and importance to take care of my health first. That's mm-hmm. spiritual, mental, physical, emotional, everything. Mm-hmm. And making sure that I have time during the day to do that for me. That doesn't mean I need 10 hours a day of my health, but I need to invest time daily in this. Yeah. And if I feel like that's being pulled away from me or not supported, then there's going to be a problem. Mm-hmm. And I said, no woman wants to hear that they're not the number one priority, at least from my experience. <laughs> no woman wants to not Except for me, be the great. number one priority. Yeah. And then I said, and you're not going to be the number two priority, but let me give you context <laughs> so people this. don't take this out of context. <laughs> I said, number two priority needs to be my mission, the mm-hmm. thing that I'm driven to do, the mm-hmm. thing that lights me up, the thing that I feel I'm called from my creator 
to bring out in the world, my creation, my service, my mission. And right now, I've got a big mission. Maybe that changes in the future into a different season of life, but that's not changing anytime soon. That needs to be a huge focus of time and energy towards that. And I don't want to be pulled away from it because in the past, I had been pulled away. Mm -hmm. I'm not blaming other people. I allowed those people to pull me away from it, but I felt like I had to pull away to make someone feel happier. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, I don't want to live inauthentically anymore. I'm going to spend a lot of my time and energy on my mission. And I was very clear on what my mission was for you. And I said, no woman wants to hear they're not the number one or two priority. Meanwhile, I And then I said, my third priority, this is before we were like committed mm-hmm. or exclusive in a relationship. Yeah. And I was like, my third priority will be my partner and investing time and energy in my partner and making sure that they are a top priority. But if number one and two is mm-hmm. taken care of and supported and mm-hmm. seen and celebrated, my partner will feel like the number one priority. Mm-hmm. They will feel like the most important thing. Mm-hmm. They will feel they have everything they need. Yeah. And I think that's the context I want to create for people. It's taking care of my health and energy first so I have a, more energy to take care of the thing that lights me up the most, the mission that I feel called to do. And from there, then I can be very joyful and present and giving and creative and, and fun and the all thing. these things mm-hmm. when we're together. And yeah. And I can feel peace taking care of my health and a peace when I'm at my work. And I don't have to feel stressed mm-hmm. that you need me for something. Mm-hmm. And when I said that, um, how did that conversation make you feel when I said these things about for priorities? For me, yeah. but it was specifically for me, for me it made me feel good. Because I was like, oh my God, this is amazing to me. Because, again, going back to Mm -hmm. if you are that guy's number one priority, it's a huge responsibility. It's almost like saying, you know, that that thing like you complete me or I want to make you happy. Mm -hmm. Like, you don't make me happy, Mm -hmm. Luis. You make me happier. Mm -hmm. It's true. It's true. You make me super happy. So that's what, like, you know what I mean? It's like, Mm -hmm. so for me it's, because if the other person fails you and it was your number one priority or you do something that some whatever crushes their heart or something, the whole world collapses. Yes. So it cannot, for me, again, this is for me. There are all types of different models and paradigms. But in the paradigm that I'm in, it's not necessarily that romantic. It's not the things that you right. hear in movies. Like if you, in a movie, in a romantic comedy, you hear a guy saying, you're not going to be my number one priority, you're not going to be my two, you're going to be my third. That's not romantic. That's like, that's, this sounds almost anti-romantic, but mm. it sounds very healthy. It does sound healthy. It's super healthy. Because then I know for a fact, if you're not taking care of yourself, how can you take care of me? It's like in the airplane, right? If you mm. don't take your mask, and breathe, how are you going to give your mask to your children? Well, and, I so. think, and I think there's I think there's a lot of women uh, who have lived by this role of like making everyone else the priority first. Mm-hmm. You yeah. see them, you see, you know, certain married women who have husbands and children where they put their husband and their kids before them yeah. and before their own, you know, passions or dreams as well. Mm-hmm. And so they quiet their voice, they quiet their dreams to serve others only. And a big part of, 
fulfillment is in service to other people. It's mm -hmm. one of the, my core things yeah. is being in service yeah. to my team, to my mission, my friends, my family, and to you. And you are. But but it's, more. of course. I'm a witness to it. But if I discount my own service to my health and discount service to my dreams, then I'm not going to be, I'm going to lose my voice. I'm going to lose my health. And I'm not going to be as authentic or I'm not going to be as attractive in life as a human being, not in a sexual term, but in an attractive wholeness term, because I'm not going to be as healthy. Mm -hmm. I'm going to feel like I'm discounting myself yeah. and just giving to everyone else. Mm -hmm. So in some ways, there's a, an appreciation from others, but if you're not giving to yourself what you need and from your creator what you feel like you need to do in life right now, then you're doing a disservice to you. And I think mm -hmm. that becomes less attractive over time. Mm -hmm. And that's where you see challenges in relationships after a long time. Oh, she's a great mother, but she doesn't take care of herself mm -hmm. and she just abandons herself to give to, to everyone else. But then she becomes less attractive. Or mm -hmm. he, you, you know, know, something like my that. My parents have a beautiful, a beautiful way to put this um, that I learned. They say... We are two individuals that we chose to share our lives together, mm -hmm. right? So my mom is her whole self. My dad is her whole self. And they decided to share their lives together. Once they share their lives together, they, they call it the pyramid model. So they say God is above all the way. And it's the thread that's through the entire pyramid. You and I, meaning mom and dad, are the top of this pyramid. They're the top of this. And so we come first to each other in that. Mm -hmm. But we already address the individual part. You, your health, your purpose, yes. mission, your partner, right? Yes. Now we're together. And so then comes the kids. Then comes the family, the, the rest of the- The dogs, the pets. The, the, the dogs, the pets, the family. Then whatever, the extended family, mm -hmm. then the friends, then the community. So it starts getting bigger and bigger because it includes more and more and more people. But a lot of people have disagreements in a relationship because the husband or the wife put the kids first. What happens when you put the kids before your partner? A lot of resentment gets built. And also you're not necessarily giving a good example to the children because what happens is you start creating teams. So like, you know, that parent that says, hey, don't tell your mom, but we're going to do this thing. You can't do that because you're saying your dad mm. or your mom, your mom is not as important. I'm the one that's the good guy. Mm -hmm. And inside that little brain, you create a fracture little by little right. or speaking badly about your partner yeah. to your children. You start fracturing their personality. Right. Mm -hmm. It's a good thing you're going to be disciplining your kids. So. <laughs> 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 I'm just going to be the fun one that does no disciplining. <laughs> I, I think it's a good model because, mm. and we've discussed it many, many times. Yes. But again, these conversations are very good to have mm -hmm. when you're getting to know the other person. You know, what are your thoughts about spirituality, religion? What are your thoughts about politics? What are your mm -hmm. thoughts about? And most people say, don't bring that up because you create arguments. By all means, bring it up. Because the least of these disagreements you have, the more... You know what I'm going to say? Yeah, yeah. Well, I just think it's... Like 80% of the success is who you choose, mm -hmm. right? Of the relationship. Yeah, and I think if you can choose alignment 
in the beginning or get everything out on the table earlier than, than later and say, do we align? And if you don't, can you say, do I accept? Mm -hmm. And if I accept, mm -hmm. knowing this is who they're going to be forever, do I align with accepting that? Yeah. And maybe they don't want to raise kids a certain way and that's out of alignment with your values. But could you see it from their perspective and say, okay, it's not what I truly want, but I will, I'm willing to accept this because I see 80% of everything else yes. is so beautiful that this one thing, maybe it's more of a control thing or maybe it's a thing that I was just raised with that I felt like I wanted to do, but I'm okay with letting the control go on this one thing. Mm -hmm. And, and can I accept to her mm -hmm. or him that this may be how it always is and am I okay with that? And if I'm not okay with that, then maybe you're not the right match and that's okay too. Mm -hmm. But that's hard once you've found a connection and um, you know, some certain compatibilities yeah. and yeah. chemistry with someone, it's hard to be like, well, maybe I'm going to walk away. Uh, or can you create agreements? So I feel like we've done a great job of, we've been blessed that we have a lot of alignment. Yeah. Then we've also had a lot of acceptance. We're fully accepting mm -hmm. of certain things that you were raised in certain ways that I wasn't, and we had some things we were very similar. Mm -hmm. And I accept it, and I think you accept me for not needing to be a certain way that you were growing up or mm -hmm. something. Yeah. And then we've also created a lot of agreements around any things that could be misunderstandings mm -hmm. or potential frustrations in the future or yeah. potential because arguments. Because they're going to happen. Yeah, and we create yeah. agreements consistently. So I think first it's seeing are you in alignment, then yes. seeing can you create acceptance if there's something you don't want, can you accept them? And if not, can you create agreements to support how you're going to address something that's not in total alignment? Mm -hmm. And when you can do those, I feel like you can create much more harmony oh, so in the much relationship. More. I love our agreements. Yes. And we're constantly creating agreements. Mm -hmm. You know, like the other day, I made a phone call about some trip that I wanted to do that you mm -hmm. were aware of, but you were not aware of that I literally got on the phone at that one moment, mm -hmm. right? And you kind of felt like I threw you under the bus because you didn't know who you were talking to, but at the same time, you needed to support me in the yes. phone call. And, and after the whole conversation happened and we hung up, I was like, hey, oops, you know, <laughs> it's, it's true. And I was mm -hmm. like, oh, maybe we can make the agreement that you're like, I want to support you to succeed. Yes. You said this. Uh -huh. But and if so, I'm in the dark and I don't know what I'm talking about, just give me context beforehand. Just give me context before you make before a you make call. a call really quick because you're excited. And or it you, totally makes sense, yeah. right? So then to me, it's like, but you start making these agreements. Like, that's yes. an agreement. We don't talk about anything deep or Intense. Intense or anything after like 11 p.m. Yeah. Really. Specifically when specific we get in bed. Yeah. Because I cannot be my best self and therefore it's going to take so much energy for me to be focused yeah. and present and I'm setting myself up for failure. Mm -hmm. So I want to be present for you in challenging or maybe like uncomfortable conversations but when I'm exhausted and put my head down and I'm already thinking about sleep, I don't want to have to wake back up to be present. So yeah. we made that early yeah. on. Yeah, and it's a great agreement. Yeah. Because quite frankly, my brain also doesn't work that well. Although I feel like the Sometimes brain women is really want to just talk all night and <laughs> I like, really... I have this and this and this and this and I'm like, I can't think right now. <laughs> That's what I said. I think, yeah. I think my brain actually, because us women probably, we kind of collect data in yeah. a different way. But... Ruminate differently. <laughs> we do. But I'm like, I can't ruminate after a certain hour. No. Especially when I've already winded down. Mm -hmm. So it's really, yeah, it's, you know, it's creating agreements with flexibility, but um, 
And I think that's beautiful. One of the things I wanted to address um, in this interview, in this conversation with you, mm-hmm. is about how you feel about the concept of love not being enough to make a relationship work, one thing. Okay. Also, boundaries we should set in relationships with ourselves and with others. Also, what people misunderstand about a shared vision for a relationship. Also, wait, how I'm to navigate. To store all of wait them a second. In my head. Hold on. Also, how to face obstacles in relationships in a conscious way. And so many more of the things that I want to talk about, but we don't have more time. No, we don't. So I want to know if you guys want to hear more about this in another episode. <gasps> Leave a comment below on this YouTube video or on the podcast on audio. Send a message over on Instagram and say yes below in the comments. <laughs> if you want a part two about love, relationships, intimacy, and all things uh, on, on all these things I was just asking about. If you want me to ask Martha these questions and if you want us to talk about them, leave a comment yes below if you want us to do a part two. So if you're really interested, leave a yes. <laughs> if you're not, maybe we won't do a part two. But if you want to know the answers to these things, go ahead and talk about that. Um, I also want to talk in the future about how you've manifested so much in your career and in your yeah. life and how you have a lot... Created the ability to dream so big and then make mm-hmm, reality mm-hmm. of these dreams because I think you're one of the best yeah. at doing this. I had, um, um, and so many other things that I want to talk about. Um, so again, if you want to hear this or watch this, leave a yes below and let us know. Uh, also, make sure to watch the movie coming out. Fugita, you're in the movie. Have Fugita, you told them you're in the movie? I haven't you told did them it yet. At the I haven't told them. Well, I a kinda, little bit at the beginning. I'm in the movie, um, <laughs> so you have to let me let me know. Hopefully, I make the final cut. We'll see yeah, what happens. Yeah, you did. I know the producer of the movie. Yeah, exactly. So you have to let me know what you guys think. It's called Queens on the Run in English. If you're you know uh, watching in Spanish, it's called Fuga de, de Reinas. Arenas, yes. Which means Queens on the Run on Netflix. It's coming out early to mid April. So make sure to be tuned for that. Check that out. Follow Martha Igareda on Instagram, on TikTok, on <laughs> Facebook. Martha has an incredible, two incredible shows uh, in Spanish on YouTube and on audio. So we'll have that linked up in the, subscri- uh, the description below. Um, so make sure you guys check those out. You can click on those. It's really inspiring stuff. So if you are a Spanish speaker by native tongue, mm-hmm. go listen and watch that because it's really powerful and the people you bring on is really inspiring. Yeah, very inspiring. Um, a lot of therapists, a lot of, you know, again, same, yes. like a similar thing. Right. It's not funny because I was doing that before we met. Yeah. And we went, wait, what? I know, very beautiful. It was amazing. So make sure you guys check those out. Um, one of them is called Infinitos which is one that Martha does solo with different guests. And the other one is called uh, De Todo Un Mucho. Muy bien, tu español. De Todo Un Mucho. He's going to be speaking Spanish. I know, that's me. Vas a hablar español. Sí, vamos. Habla poquito español. Sí, vamos. (laughs) Um, And so check out both of those shows. Also, if you just go on Netflix or Apple TV or Amazon and you just type in your name, Martha Igareda, you can see all the past movies that she's done. You can find them kind of on all the streamers. There's different ones on different streamers. So you check them out if you're Spanish-speaking or if you want subtitles uh, in English, they have them as well. But some amazing movies. I haven't even seen them all. There's over 40 <laughs> movies you've done. 
Yes. You're amazing in Altered Carbon, which is where I first found out about you, um, which is an English TV show. But other than that, I am so grateful for you. I appreciate I'm you so, very I much. I love you. I love you very much. I'm so grateful for you. I feel... Uh, I feel this table is too big. It's too, too far <laughs> apart. I feel awkward because I'm not like holding your hands this whole time. But I'm so grateful for you. I love you. I'm so grateful for the joy, the peace that you bring into my life. And I'm so glad that we got to start this conversation on the podcast. Mm. And I really acknowledge you for teaching me about love in a beautiful way, for showing me that love is really about acceptance. And love is about celebrating all of you, not mm -hmm. just parts of you. Exactly that are good, but all of you. So thank you for celebrating all of me and accepting mm -hmm. all of me. I love you. I appreciate you. I'm so grateful for you for waking up every morning and living a dream that I get to see you smile and kiss me and hug me. It's a dream. And so thank you for being in my life and for teaching me about love in a way that I've never felt before. I'm very grateful I for you. I love you so much. Thank yeah, you. I still feel like I should be next to you, yes. kissing you and hugging you. But thank you very much. I'm very grateful. And I can't wait to continue to share what we're learning with people here about relationships, about and really about the relationship each one of us gets to have with ourselves and how to heal and grow and, and step into a better version of ourselves. Um, so I want people to follow you, check you out, subscribe everywhere, and I'm going to ask you uh, your three truths and your definition of greatness. So what would be your three truths? Wait, for that, I just yes. wanted to say that I'm so, so grateful to experience love with you mm -hmm. in the way you love, in the way you show up. Mm -hmm. You're incredible to me, and you're so unique, and I love you not because... You are, you know, an incredible partner and you do all these things and you go beyond your way mm. to make me feel like I'm the number one priority. Um, but because you are unique. Mm. And your uniqueness is what fills my heart with even more joy mm. and even more happiness. And, and I wake up every morning. Well, people don't know this, obviously, but I wake up every morning. Sometimes I wake up before you and then I go, <laughs> you know what is he right. going to share like what, what is the adventure and that's the thing that life is an adventure you know that that's one of my favorite phrases mm -hmm. and every day you go in your mission you go explore the world you go conquer you do share you go in service that's what you do mm -hmm. and when you come back home I'm excited to see you and excited to hear what you have to share and excited to share what is happening in my world. Yeah. And, and because I know, how do I explain this? That life, if there's a certainty, is that life is uncertain. Mm -hmm. And because life is uncertain, it's because I take care of our relationship every day. Yeah. And having the freedom to be me, and hopefully you feel the freedom to be you, is one of the biggest gifts we can give each other. Yeah. Te amo. Muchísimo. Okay. Well, what's your, what's your three <laughs> truths? If all you could share are three lessons of oh the world. Oh, my God. And all of your content was erased. Movies were gone. This interview was gone. What would you say are three lessons you would share with the world or three truths? Wow. One would be that it's 
anything that you do, if you do it in service of others, whereas is your family, whereas is your friends, whereas is your community, anything that you do in service of others comes from that real, authentic you. Mm -hmm. that, that you that knows that we are here, not just for ourselves, but to serve and to leave a world that is, to leave the world better than mm -hmm. how we found it. And so in anything you want to manifest in life, if you just don't do it just because of you, but if you do it because you're serving another person, mm -hmm. another human being, the fastest you will manifest into your life. It's almost like the universe says, like, says, oh, you get it. You get it that it's not just about you. It's about others. Mm -hmm. So I think that would be one. Another one it would be this idea that we have of success. Mm -hmm. I was, you know, I'm very close to my father. Mm -hmm. And he was doing the garden. And I had this conversation when I was probably like 12 years old. And I said to him, Dad, what is success? And he said, this moment right now, me looking at you and the way the sun, because he's a painter, mm -hmm. so he's always looking at how things look, how the sun rays are landing on your hair, and how I'm at this moment just cutting this bush, and I'm having this moment. For me, that is success. So we don't know about tomorrow. We may have all these different dreams and all these different plans and all these different visions of what we want to accomplish, what we want to do. But that one moment, mm -hmm. he said, I'm being successful right now. The third one would be, don't die with your music in you. And this is not mine, but it's something that I heard that when you, whew, it's a story about a guy who's very, very old. He's just about to die. And he's in his deathbed and he is very regretful because he says, I had all these melodies that were playing in my head. He was a musician. I have all these melodies that I never, never got to write. And here I am leaving this world and nobody will be able to listen to all the music that lived in my heart. So I think that's a very beautiful, very important lesson for every one of us. Whatever it is that it is your purpose or your mission or the thing that just lights you the most, whereas is being with your family and being present with them or whereas is being a dancer, whereas is writing that book, don't die with your music in you. Mm. Okay, love those. And what's your definition of greatness? My definition of greatness is Being in the moment, being love, being in service, mm -hmm. and just enjoying the ride. 
I hope today's episode inspired you on your journey towards greatness. Make sure to check out the show notes in the description for a rundown of today's show with all the important links. And if you want weekly exclusive bonus episodes with me as well as ad-free listening experience, make sure to subscribe to our Greatness Plus channel on Apple Podcast. If you enjoyed this, please share it with a friend over on social media or text a friend. Leave us a review over on Apple Podcast and let me know what you learned over on our social media channels at Lewis House. I really love hearing the feedback from you and it helps us continue to make the show better. And if you want more inspiration from our world-class guests and content to learn how to improve the quality of your life, then make sure to sign up for the Greatness Newsletter and get it delivered right to your inbox over at greatness.com slash newsletter. And if no one has told you today, I want to remind you that you are loved, you are worthy, and you matter. And now it's time to go out there and do something great. Great.